Hey, that's a gay joke. Yeah, I love gay jokes. I'm gay. LOL, I'm gay. That's the joke. That's just like very sad, quiet. Welcome to a new uh, podcast that uh, Disgorgeous is presenting under its new uh, Media Empire banner. Um, I'm Miguel De Leon. I'm Kenneth Crum. Uh, this is Bussin' or Discussin', Series 1. Uh, we're talking about flaws this time around, and today we have a guest. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, um, I'm Daniel. Uh, my name is Daniel Yum. I'm the beverage director for uh, Loring Place, which is in Greenwich Village, and also for... Uh, Pennybridge, I almost forgot the name of the restaurant, which is in Queens, <laughs> just opened. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So, Thank you. today we're talking uh, about Britannomyces. Um, I guess you can, we can talk to you about the whole premise of this whole thing, which is kind of like, we're going to talk about where do we draw the limits of what wine flaws actually are, or like what's considered bad in wine. So, uh, we're drinking La Dilettante by Catherine and uh, Guy Breton. Um, so the La Dilettante is the new line that Catherine started. That's kind of like the zero, zero line of their um, their offering. So 100% Cabernet Franc, um, you know, uh, done in uh, carbonic maceration style. Um, yeah, no sulfuretted and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, talk to me about Brent that's in here. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you think about like, I mean, I, I always like associate Brett with like Cabernet Franc for the most part. Like a lot of the times, like I feel like uh, like my generation uh, of wine people coming through that loves to talk about like natural wine. A lot of us got introduced to it through the Loire Valley and through Cabernet Franc. Um, so like in my mind, like when you're thinking about like kind of the, that earthy, like leathery, um, like wet bandaid, that type of notes, um, my mind just immediately goes to, to this style of wine. Um, when I picked it up, I actually hadn't opened this in a while. So I wasn't en actually entirely sure if it was going to be bready or not, but I'm glad to see there's a little bit in there to, <laughs> to make it a little rustic and uh, interesting. I think that's me. a good word to pick up on rustic. So, yeah. I mean, like I, I like picking apart these like very Sam, Sami terms, yeah. that, like we're always going to encounter in a show like this yeah um so first off we're already shortening something that we we should maybe explain a little bit right Bre yeah. Brettanomyces is the full name of i guess the first part of the full name of the bacteria or the yeast yeah. that um is part of what gives us this flavor profile um and so let's talk about that well, you you mentioned a couple things like horse yeah <laughs> leather <laughs> yeah band-aid barnyard, barnyard they, yeah, they say yeah right um in other books what else is there there's uh the cow dung, cow cow dung. yeah um I, it's funny i feel like when you're talking about want in my deep dive into pretendomyces i found some of the characteristics it contributes to beer right um and more desired characteristics you know some some of it even like kind of floral elements mm -hmm. um which i i brought a wine that i think also brings some of that out as well um but generally in wine it's those like manure more urban earthy things and you know it brings down the fruit quality usually a bit um 
some would say the the standard for a good amount of Brett is when it doesn't overtake the fruit, like so, when it's well, present. Well, some would also say that like Brett itself is just bad altogether. True, true. Right, Which right. is why we have this discussion. Like, how subjective is a wine flaw like yeah. Brett? I mean, like for me, like I I was well into like craft beer like way before I like got into uh, got into wine like at all. Um, so I came across bread and a lot of like the saisons and that type of like farmhouse sales style, um, which I always really enjoyed. So when I was like trying to get into wine and, you know, like, you know, do certification or whatever. Um, and, you know, you're supposed to like know what these taste like and bread when people say it's a flaw, like you expect it to taste quote unquote bad. And that's not necessarily the case, you know, and that's like a desired thing, like you said um, about beer. Um, so it's 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 that. Yeah. Yeah, my first introduction to, to Brett was with um, wines from the Rhone. And so with those wines, there's always something kind of like really meaty yeah, um, and kind of almost like uh, adjacent to iron, which is really pleasant in, in slow quantities, right? Um, and especially with some of the soils that are present down there, uh, the interplay between the two is really exciting. Um, but then you get to some very like natural expressions of some of those wines yeah. and it turns into like, like sewer mouth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it, it's, it's tasting something that's like really gone off like rats. Mm. Like, yeah. um, like vomit almost. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Really appealing in terms yeah. of like how we're making Brett come out to be. But yeah. in, in, in small doses, like there's, there's something like really pretty about it, like clove. And like, like you said that there's that, that almost tacky. Um, I, I, I always consider it as like, um, a, a, a used diner chair. Yeah. Diner chair. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like swass kind of a little sweaty. Yeah. <laughs> kind of a little sweaty, but like plasticky, but artificial, but like not right. Yeah. Um, right. But in small doses, it's like pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. It's funny because it's like, I don't know, technically speaking, like Britannomyces is absolutely a spoilage yeast. Right. Right. Like it's sure. just bad altogether. Sure. But, um, I think what you what you get, what you were mentioning earlier, Kenneth, is that like when we're talking about Saccharomyces or like whatever else is coming out after that conversion, it's pleasant because those things are expected, right? Yeah. There's, it's something fruity and there's something that's like um, really bright, for example. But when the conversion from Britannomyces happens, it's always like here's something that's a little dank. Right. I think right. this is where that like funky word kind of comes into play a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen it a lot in natural wine. Yeah. I'm not sure how you guys feel about that word. I, <laughs> I don't like it because it's not useful. Sure. Um, but I, I think the first introduction was always something with Britannomyces. Right. That, and that like, here's a little something that you might not expect that, that goes into this, I don't know, savory or like past savory character or right, maybe right. In, like on its way to rot yeah. kind of character. Yeah. And like, I feel like, you know, you started... Um, talking about the word rustic, right? And in textbook, like a lot of times, like bread is associated with quote unquote dirty winemaking, right? So, which means it's not inoculated, it's not like soaked down and um, all that. So, I don't know. It's a, uh, yeah. So, I, I, I always find it interesting between those things. Well, I mean, personally speaking, how do you relate to bread? I, I think it's tasty. I mean, like I said, like I first got introduced to bread, like through beer which was a enjoyable quality and like saisons and some of the sours that i was drinking um and you know um so for me like it doesn't bother me at all like i i enjoy it i enjoy that kind of like musty quality in wine um unless it's too overdone but yeah. you know here we are yeah. do you feel like your relationship with brett has changed 
I don't know. I don't know if I have particularly a relationship per se yeah. like that evolves over time with with Fred, but um yeah, like I mean so I I went through a lot of like classic French restaurants when I was kind of like training uh, up and then, you know, those kind of like wines, like a lot of times it's very clean, it's very correct, very like appellation driven type of thing. And then I started drinking um quote unquote natural wines and then those things are like a little more interesting a little more more off quote unquote notes going on and i thought you know this this is more exciting uh you know this is something different that i can actually afford um that type of thing yeah that part yeah, yeah. That, that part is nice <laughs> oh, yeah. right <laughs> yeah you can read about grand cru like burgundies like all your life but like you know i can't afford grand but cru i mean even even some right? grand cru grand cru burgundies i i would even posit have a little bit of sure. to them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, absolutely. especially nowadays, yeah. um, as the, you know, Simon B style, like whole cluster absolutely. fermentation, burgundies become more popular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're getting a lot more Brett, but then also like, I, I think before we really started to delve into Brett, which we still don't know a lot, right? We talking yeah. 15, 10 years that we've been studying and right. we don't really know like what does oak contribute to it? Yeah. What does soil contribute to it? But before that we were really associating these regions with Brett and then, you know, the combination of natural winemaking being more popular, uh, global warming, leaving wines with more sugar right. um, and more food for Brett. Uh, we are like, hold up, actually Bordeaux, does have Brett yeah. too, right, and right, like, right. what's the deal there? Um, um, I think it. it be, I think it be, it's become a question now too. Like, what where it's codified in Appalachians, for example. Where, I mean, we go back to this all the time. It seems like where, like this kind of thing is part of the terroir, yeah. of a place or the identity of a style of winemaking in a place. That when it's not there or when it's a little bit too much, people are always like, "That's that's wrong." Right. Yeah. Um, who, who was it? Uh, uh, I think Raj uh, Vaidya was quoted about like talking about um, Janas, for example. And he was like, "That's a little too clean." Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And yeah. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah. well, okay, well, how do we how do we define then what what is enough to for it to qualify as like quote unquote typically correct? I think that it has to do with the customer base, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right. Uh, if I am have been buying Bordeaux for a long time and I have a lot of money and you know, there's this very specific customer usually to different wine regions. Um, and I don't think that the Bordeaux customer is generally like, yeah, I don't mind a little sweat or you're or like little, searching for it. Necessarily, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Whereas I mean, you part know, of the contribution to it too, is that like Brett, right? Brett eats the same sugars as Saccharomyces, but then also likes all the long chain stuff. So like Oak, um, it really likes and then some of some of these other i guess like throwaway sugars that that saccharomyces doesn't convert it has yeah. a really interesting outcome that we don't really expect or like you mentioned studied all that much um in comparison to say like proper wine yeast yeah because uh, it's just been considered bad so i think that that's, that's a really interesting part is that there's also kind of a detectability scale right like for for a certain section of the population they might not like it so much but then for another group, it might just be super, super awesome. Right. Um, and they're at the same levels. And then there's there's also this idea that there's good Brett and bad Brett. Well, it's, it's all kind of 
leading towards the same thing. <laughs> right. Almost, right. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, right. When when someone says that there's good Brett or bad Brett, it's like, well, if if given to a different parcel, it could just behave very differently. Or right. given to a different set of fruit, it might just behave completely differently. So where, how do we predict all of that? Not, I, I don't think that that's something that we should be answering, but it, it should be something that we can talk about in terms of this idea of funkiness, right? Like this, in context, a little bit of funk can go a long way. Sure. Um, but when you when you over amplify it and then it becomes a domineering flavor, then I think that that becomes okay. It's still subjective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think when I first started to discover natural wines and how you know they're cool and the winemakers are cool and they have a cool story i appreciated that kind of barnyard quality a lot more than i do now um yeah because i think now i appreciate good winemaking more (laughs) (laughs) as opposed to just the fact that they were dedicated to doing or manipulating the wine right the most yeah um i mean there's also this cute anecdote that like Pascaline tells about Brett where um, basically she goes to like a perfumery um, and she basically gets picked out like here's some bready funky aromas and the perfumiers are basically like well these are the things that are most successful because there's something like really animalistic and like kind of sexual about them right yeah. like a oh, pheromone yeah, type yeah, of yeah, vibe yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking like that might be the same kind of appeal that that Brett provides in some of these red wines. It's, I think, om- almost exclusively red wines that I've, that I've seen right. Brett in. Yeah. Um, but because I think for more of the neutral styles, there's not really enough for Brett to either yeah. glom onto or there's just way too much aromatic variety. Right. Well, it's directly tied to pH, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. generally pH is higher in reds. Right. So there's there's always something that, like, catches, like, your eye. I think for all of us, like... We don't have this very savory characteristic too much with with wine in general, but when there is, or when there's something that's just like a little bit that sits lower in the chair, you're like, what? What is this? Like, yeah, I wanna I wanna figure this out. And I mean, with a lot of these newer new world wines, uh, they would be fruit and oak without the Brett kind of mm. in between, sure, making it interesting. Yeah, right. right. So. Yeah. Do you guys like the wine that I brought? I, think I do. Tasty. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a very telltale Kermit wine. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know what I mean. I think uh, Destazo, I think, would be the only other wine that I would be like, yeah, that's a plus. That's the thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, there's. I mean, I mean, I think this is like a good example of kind of like how like Brett makes it like interesting, right? Like, because there's like a still great like fruit structure to it um, in the backbone, but then like like without that kind of like a like a funkiness like slightly funkiness that like makes it interesting it would be kind of like one note for me yeah um yeah it's, it's, it's funny it's funny to consider that considering your path into natural wine right like that you're to talk about like this is a, this is one of your gateway wines yeah, into like sure. your your come up in in wine when, when like i don't know i don't know what your come up was kenneth but like mine was absolutely not what was like your Loire. It was, I mean, it was very classic. It was like Bordeaux, Burgundy, California. Right. Yeah. Right, mine right, was right. definitely Nebbiolo. Ah. Uh, definitely Barolo Barbaresco. And then after that. Yeah. You so, took, you took uh, the path into everything else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then to consider like where we are now with these things, or at least maybe for you to consider where you are in, in like the state of like your beverage career or like your, how you are as a person completely. Right. Like, I mean, like, uh, like, I mean, I feel like the, the more, 
I don't know. I, like I said, like we we're kind of talking before we started recording, like how like relatively young I am and in general. And, you know, I, the more wine I drink, like I keep thinking about like, um, is this something that I actually want to drink every day? Or is this something right. that I actually can drink every day? Like, you know, cause at the end of the day, like, I feel like somebody is like such a funny career a lot of times. Cause you talk <laughs> about all these like yeah. fancy wines, like, you know, for your guests and you try to sell this, but then you go home and you don't, well, you don't, or you can't drink what you are selling a lot of the That's times. Funny. Well, what do you, what do you tend to drink anyway? Um, just whatever. Um, I mean, I, I guess the better question is what, what can you afford to drink? That yeah, you exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I drink a lot of like, I don't know, like pen ads and like stupid, stupid wine yeah, I love, <laughs> I love, don't get yeah. me wrong i love stupid i love yeah, exactly. just, big old dumbass just, wine just yeah. i love bimbo himbo just, yeah, yeah. Just, just something silly just something silly that's what i like to drink yeah um okay so let's let's talk a little bit about that like how you feel in terms of i mean you're an immigrant pardon you're yeah an immigrant. i'm an immigrant yeah for sure and then uh to to be an immigrant in a space in New York yeah. where this is a thing, yeah. where wine is like part of your thing. Right. Like how do how do you feel like you're represented in the space? Yeah, like, I mean, you know, I feel like I mean, we're definitely a minority, right? Like mm-hmm. wine is always and you know, I, I hope it's changing, but it's it's such a majority white space. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like, you know, New York and like especially like the community that 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 I have and like the people that I see, like you guys, you know, are you know quite a diverse group these days. Um, and you know, like I hope to help more people uh, grow into their like wine career, um, whether that's you know uh, like ethnically like minority immigrants or like women. Like I try to support them as much as I can um, in whatever capacity I have. Yes. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. What was the question? Again? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I would say, I would say like, there, I think that there's yeah. a, there's an interesting connection to like how, you know, Brett can be conceived as like funky, and then when it when it domineers a space, it's like, all right, like get out of here. Yeah, it's yeah, bad. yeah. And in the same way that like you know people who don't look like a typical, the, a typical yeah, song are kind unquote, of like yeah. the same way. Like there's a little bit of like a there's a threatening kind of guy. So like okay, there's yeah. way too many like brown psalms in the room like what's going on <laughs> right 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 um and and just that's always in to re, in relation to what people know right, right. yeah right. like everything funkiness and context right yeah, yeah yeah wait this is a cab franc like this isn't taste like normal cab franc right. that i've had all these other times yeah um why is it different? No, I don't like different, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just the idea of type, I mean, we go back to this idea of like typicity being something that was just like for ease of use for standardization. Right. Yeah. Right. When, when we talk about like the depth and breadth of even like say Cab Franc, we can go to any really variety and say the same right. thing about, you know, there's a spectrum of things that we can consider here and then really involve as much as possible. Like the, the scope of that to really right. try to understand it. Yeah, I mean, like, so for me, uh, like Loring Place, for example, like it's uh, like a tricky wine list um, as in like it's it's like physically just one page. Mm-hmm. So there is like a, like only so much I can fit in. So curation becomes like part of an issue sometimes um, as in like, oh, like I like all these like 500 different Burgundy producers, but I can't physically buy all these 500 different Burgundy producers. Um, so it's about kind of curating and the way that it works in my head a lot of times is it's that I would have one wine that's kind of quote unquote typical 
and one one wine that's kind of a little interesting a little more um more like like out of typicity type of wines um so for example i have two uh coming franc on the menu this is one of them um and this is kind of like the more like i don't want to say interesting because i don't i think the other wine is interesting also <laughs> but this is like you don't have to tell us what yeah exactly is, but i want to know <laughs> yeah, so exactly. bad no that, that one is a little more structured a little yeah, more like, like a little classic, more nouveau little, style, yeah right like sure. a little more like i guess like new attitude yeah yeah, yeah 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 um and that's just kind of like something that i like try to like have on the list i mean i have like classic nebbiolos and you know your barolo barbarescos but then i have one from california as well that to just kind of like mix it up and make it interesting for myself uh, it's you know uh yeah i think it's a, it's a fun project Va Madelon. lovely um because i love not really knowing what some of the grapes are in the wine yeah <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's, it's nice to have mysteries yeah, though, mysteries yeah. are yeah. always good you know ask anyone who's ever dated me um <laughs> uh, half Hello? of it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, half of it, or like sixty percent, uh, Gamay from Morgon, cool. and the rest is a bunch of native varietals. Yeah, um, Trousseau's in there. Yeah, uh, and some other stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, let's talk about the Brett that's in this glass now. Yeah, this is like completely different. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, there's still that. Well, I don't know. There's Telltale Brett. Right. Yes. Like it a is still very... that like vinyly horse comb kind yeah. of oh. smell, like furry. Yeah. What bandage? Like yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. This is where the, where it gets interesting. There's like that savory. Um, I don't know. There's like for some for some variants of Brett, I always think about like an open wound. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it. <laughs> it's nowhere near sexy, but it is like ah like. It's it's there. It's like it's very, it's fresh, but it's like it's a cut. It hurts. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's yeah, like yeah. the fine line that we were talking about as like animalistic and something that's like real and like there's like blood involved and yeah. all that. Well, as opposed to like a steak tartare. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> there is something that's just like super curious about like the run through from these from these first two wines that we've been having. Um, there is that like really. Uh, that word comes back. That rustic word comes back. Yeah. I don't. I don't really know how to define that all that well. I think to me, it's like the edges are a little fuzzy. Right. Um. The middle kind of goes all over the place. Right. The attack is like in one corner, and then it like swoops <laughs> down under your tongue and goes yeah. to the other corner. Yeah. It it does some magic things on your palate. Yeah. Um. But then when 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 everything kind of hits all at the same time, I think the bread's something that pulls it together. Right. Like the, there's a little bit of fruit here. There's a little bit of that like. Salty, funky. Right. Um, the fruit's a lot more playful than I think the nose yeah. kind of suggests. Mm-hmm. The nose is a little bit, a little bit like Play-Doh closed. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'm actually going to go ahead and give this a little farmer's decay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, uh, it's got a nice... Because that's what you do with Ganova. Yeah. You give it a hipster kinda farmer. Just gotta do yeah. it. That's already, yeah, it's the, already fizzing out. The producer is... Uh, we we're not savages. We have a uh, we have decanters, <laughs> but I'm a hipster, sir. Uh, it's funny because this is a just gorgeous. Guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before you said like the hipster thing, I was like, yeah, I'll probably buy a gown of yeah. 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 You can still buy a gown. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the farmer's decan, it's just a little little shake around, preferably with your finger. Oh yeah, preferably with your finger, but. Yeah. 
you know, I'm wearing a white shirt. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, go too far. It's a brave man. Yeah. yeah it's a brave man. <laughs> but yeah, there's still, there's still that like very um, band-aid-y yeah. Yeah. diner chair kind of thing. I get for sure. I get a little more like the like the salty cheesiness mm. to this yeah. wine more than anything else. Um, I think that's really interesting. And li- like the palate's like so lifted. Like Behaviorally, it's different on the yeah, palate. For yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's 100%. It's, it's way more fruit, way more. Yeah, it is that like very bright cheery right. um red 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 yeah red like i think part of that is that the bread's are driving it to that place yeah right everything right, else right. on the bottom like the base note is like well past your throat almost that mousy yeah kind of quality it's yeah. not mousy it's, no but it just it hits the same kind of palette sure um structures on the back yeah. of your throat i'm sure you'll have an episode about like mouse and stuff like that oh but, like, yeah that, <laughs> that thing like always like comes out like as like barley tea quality to me like i don't know if you like, yeah i think i yeah i don't think i've ever heard that described like crispy but rice. i love it yeah crispy rice yeah for me like it reminds me of like barley tea like i like you know um as like immigrant as like you know minorities we talk about like kind of like diversifying flavor profiles like you know what you get out of the wine sometimes right and for me, like that's one, and like a lot of times, like Cabernet Francs, like that are quote unquote like typical, reminds me a lot of like Cochujang. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. There's, I mean, what what's interesting in terms of like the the lack of inclusion of of cultures like that is that actually in some in some if not the majority of them, there's a really rich fermenting tradition. Yeah, in exactly. A lot of those places and like the things that we're tasting as complexity as like base notes as all that stuff there's better words for it because we already have it in fermenting like vocabulary you right know? um i there's there's some there's some strains of like white wine especially after they've gone through um amphora aging that to me reminds me a lot of like fish sauce oh yeah yeah um and then yeah. after you leave a fair amount of skin contact wine out in the open to, it goes into like miso soy sauce um yellow miso territory definitely to like soybeans yeah like that kind of territory and then that i don't know people always equate it to cheese but i'm like no that's not though like yeah. there's something that's like just soft and dank and yeah like mysterious and yeah it's like white miso floral that like white thing. moldy yeah. kind of uh that flavor yeah. um it's some completely not appealing on paper but <laughs> it, there there is something that i mean something to be said about like food cultures that have transcended thousands of years where right. we can we can see ourselves in this kind of bottle that's kind of interesting you know yeah do you, does your family like wine i mean just interesting um yeah i mean like they're they're getting into it so i i always talk about my uh my sister my sister's quite a lot younger than me um so and so you know she would so she used to live in new york and now she's in baltimore and then when she was a kid like she would just come up to my apartment and then you know like she was underage but i was like feeding her wine and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. and like when she turned like like 21 her favorite wine was pinot noirs from jura and i was like i did pretty wow. well and i did pretty well as well wow. so even there. your sister is better than me <laughs> great <laughs> um and uh and yeah and my 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 dad my mom is like kind of like a typical asian mom it's like oh like don't drink it's terrible for your health like that's yeah. <laughs> i'm sure you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and my dad he, he likes to drink but um uh, he hasn't really had a lot of like um exposure to like wine because the wine market in korea is actually well it's getting like a lot really really interesting like last few years but um it has a lot uh, for 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 a long time it was a lot of like mass pro- uh, mm. produced stuff from mm. like chile chile wines are quite big in korea because there's like a trade agreement so 
Chile wines like don't get taxed in Korea, so you can get it for like real cheap. Oh wow! Which is wow. really interesting. Like, and we talk about like we we've been talking about tariffs for like over like yeah. the last few years and how it's impacting the wine prices. So like better quality wines from Chile is like really cheap in Korea. So he's she was drinking a lot of like mass product like stuff like that. Um, but uh, last time I was in Korea, I brought like a, a just like a suitcase of wine um, because I thought. Um, it's it's really expensive to buy like kind of like a hip like smaller production wines in sure, Korea sure. just because of like the tax situation and with alcohol and everything. So I was like prepared to pay like hundreds of dollars like uh, like at the airport, but it was during COVID, so they just like let me through <laughs> like with like yellow tags on my bag and stuff like that. Um, so we drank a lot of good stuff, but you know my parents still prefer kind of like. I don't want to say boomer wines, but you, you know, can say boomer uh, yeah, wines. It's, yeah, it's what it is, though. You no know? word like, is taboo like here. Yeah, yeah. They were, what they're used to. Um, but I thought I did well with my sister with the with the Jura thing. <laughs> I say that because I'm I'm always curious to like I think if honestly if I bought this wine to my mom yeah. or maybe my aunt, I yeah. don't think they would enjoy it. Really? Yeah, yeah. I don't think they would. Um, and I think it's a combination of what they think good wine is and you know what they've been exposed to yeah um so i'm always curious there's there's a reason why the next zine is about robert parker's is it really yeah Yeah. (laughs) fantastic i mean like there's there's, we can talk about like global impact etc for all for all what it's worth but i think um I think for a person like that, like that, maybe a person like James Suckling, when yeah. they try something like this, they'd be like, mm, "Yeah, I don't know." Yeah, like what is what is well made technically? Yeah, right. it's just interesting because like all of those people would, no one would disagree that Jean Francois Gaudibert's a great winemaker. Mm-hmm. You right. know, so it's interesting to see that kind of intersection of. Well, this dude obviously knows what he's doing, and right. he what, sells but like right, but like what's the but? Right, 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 <laughs> me, right, right. Right? It's like yeah. it's like um, I don't know. Like, there's I think there's, there's two like Sambri producers that get imported into New York. I think you and I both know them. Yeah. But it's it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like, it's a good wine from Burgundy, but I'm you Blanc. So what am I what am I paying attention to it for? Right. Right. And at the same time, it's like, well, it, don't you want to do the thing where you're like celebrating tradition? You're celebrating <laughs> the the place that's like stuck it out for so long and and is completely like bucking the trend right and like hello you know there's a lot of things that are on the nose with that kind of observation yeah yeah but at the same time it's also kind of like okay well who who the the appellation decided that that was going to be the thing that they're going to do so yeah how are you going to market yourself appropriately yeah um and it's interesting because it's I, I don't know. Like sometimes like you talk about like uh, a wine prof- a professional's job is to like educate consumers. I don't I'm not sure if that's like necessarily I don't know. I feel like that's like a little patronizing to consumers sometimes. 100%. Completely I so. agree. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can kind of like guide people into like the di- direction that you want to go into. Like, for example, like um, like when, when I was kind of like 
you know, my first like SOM jobs and stuff like that, I was always told that like if someone likes like New World wine um, and like kind of you kind of want to get them into like, you know, old world, like European style, whatever, like go to like Chateau du Pop or something like that. And that has like similar threads to it. But then you can kind of like evolve that like relationship into. Um, I feel like that's like the same. So, for example, like, you know, one of the suitcase wines that I brought to Korea last time was taken from granite. Um, like yeah. that wine too. Like, and we opened it on my like dad's birthday. I like cooked the steak and everything. And, um, and like, that's not typically a wine that like my dad would pick. Right. Right. And he had a great time with it and it made me really happy. And we had like a, yeah, great lunch with the whole family and everything. Yeah. Funkiness so. in context. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I agree that, being a psalm or working the floor as a psalm isn't about education. Yeah. But I would say as um, a beverage director, right? We're all beverage directors. Uh, there is an inherent type of education that happens. Yeah. Usually. Well, I yeah, mean, at I, least the way that I would do it. Yeah, I think I would consider it more like, um, well, what do you want? What do you want the world to know about the list that you've put out? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's not, it's not about, I mean, at the end of the day, we don't make any of the wine. Yeah. Right. Right. At the end of the day, we open, we pop corks and tell stories. Yeah. And like, what kind of stories am I telling? How, how am I telling these stories appropriately so that these people get the right kind of like respect and honor and all that stuff that they right. also deserve. Right. Like when I pop open a cork or when I'm choosing to open a bottle from somebody, yeah. it's like, I'm going to give you your flowers like right now. That's yeah. a really important yeah. distinction is yeah. to say like, you know, maybe we don't have a personal connection between me and the winemaker, but like the wine has spoken to me in some right. sense where I can yeah. have some sort of like very deep personal connection with it when I'm bringing it to a table. Yeah. And then they also get it. Or um, you know, I think that, that there's there is there is a little bit of myth making involved in like whatever it is that we're doing as beverage professionals. Yeah. Uh, it, it comes with the romance territory <laughs> of like our position, I think, you know. Um, but I think it's also very interesting to see that like there's. I mean, there's a couple questions that we ask too, right? Like how, and I think just just very recently now, like how how wine is made, who's making it, right. um, are the people who are making it being treated correctly? Right. It's those are very recent questions to ask, and it's just that's yeah. that's the thing that like is like scratching at the back of yeah. my head. And I'm like, hey, why is it just now that we're considering these? Right. And I always say like, I, I feel like as a buyer, like I now have a little more control about like how to go about that education portion. Cause now I can just sneak some weird stuff on the list and then like, it's mine, like, you know, mm. um, and I always say like, it's my evil plan to make everybody on at this <laughs> restaurant drink natty wine without them realizing that it's natty wine. <laughs> I like this plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so it's, it's, yeah, it's a work in progress and it like, yeah, just, I don't know. And, and like, like, kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier like that it's patronizing but at the end of the day like i feel like as a restaurant professional like you should give people what they want mm -hmm. but how you give people what they want like you can control right like yeah. so yeah, yeah. Pat patrick capiello when he was on this podcast when he was on disgorgeous rather had a really interesting observation that um you know, he he was buying and like putting things as many things on the list as possible so that he could give people the most options. Huh. That was his version of hospitality, and I yeah. I wow. with like the idea of like, well, wouldn't it wouldn't it be more hospitable if like you gave them the bottle that would just make sense to them 
right with within the right. limits of your own list or whatever else but like i guess that i mean just like everything everything is a little bit more subjective right like yeah there's there it just depends on like what kind of experience you're really going for yeah yeah and, i mean i mean speaking of which like there's there's a little bit of the, like that brett now has kind of that pharmacy yeah that pharmacy can't really help this wine out and that there's something really really exceptional about what's going on on the on the glass at this moment yeah it's I think it's it's headier. It's more perfumed. It's coming like the disparity between the nose and the palate is like getting smaller and smaller. Mm -hmm. And you're getting more of the, like you said, heady, a little touch of floral notes. Um, It's still very much present on the nose, but it's like. Yeah. On the palate, the integration is is really key. It's really lovely now. Yeah. 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 I'm great wine. Thank you. Ad break. Ad break. Hi, uh, this is the advertisement for today. Uh, my this name is, is John McCarroll. Um, I do a little podcast called Disgorgeous. Um, it's okay. Uh, if you are listening to this, why don't you go to patreon.com regular slash Disgorgeous and um, you can get a copy of our zine, which is really good. Um, and Miguel, Miguel did that. Um, well, thank you. Uh, and, uh, keep listening. All right. I'm trying to like relate things to Brett as yeah. much as I can for you. But like, do you see yourself in any of these wines or like, how do you see yourself in relation to Brett with these wines? Do I see Big myself question. in these wines? I actually like gone about, like, I, I actually have, uh, like a fun, like relationship with it as in like, so like I said, I worked at quite like serious French restaurant, um, and uh, one of the last like server jobs that I had, um, this gentleman um, decided to pour kind of a biter glass. So we were doing like Gabon de Canon. The, oh, cool. Yeah, biter glass, um, which was really cool. And that was kind of like wow, my like, first like exposure key flex to there. like shit like that. Yeah. Um, so ever since that, I've been just kind of like like obsessed with like wines from Ganeva, like both like the domain and like the negotiant bottlings and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so it's kind of like cool to like revisit, um, the producer and yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's cool. Tasty. So we have a beer. What, what beer are we drinking? Yeah, we have a beer. I mean, you can't talk about Brett without talking yeah, yeah, about I don't, I don't, beer, I don't so. right? I think the, the reception of Brett in the beer industry is almost complete opposite. Wait, I got to get this on camera. Microphone. Yeah, so uh, I guess I forgot what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I get what you say. Like, the, I think the beer industry, and especially like craft beer, artisanal beer, has has really embraced Brett as a marker of character. Yeah. yeah. In, in not just in personality driving, but also in like brand marketing right? yeah. for some of their wines. Uh, I mean, ugh, for some of their beers. Um, but things like... Um, Sours, Goza, some trendy IPAs or like some hybrid versions of those things. Yeah. I think that that's a really interesting thing to get Brett into the conversation because I think Brett in the doses and the the ways that the ferments that beer likes, there's a really interesting interplay with things like fruit, carbonation, um, lighter flavors. Like you wouldn't see like a breaded Pilsner, right? But you would see something like a breaded sour or like a breaded Goza. Right. And I mean, it even plays a huge part in some of those classical beers that we're familiar, like Guinness yeah. or like, you know, Guinness was huge in just the 
the research in how Brett plays a part in beer. So the fact that that is like a company like that. No, I, is, I didn't know that at all. Like, uh, yeah, yeah. Cool. I mean, they were yeah. kind of at the beginning of all of this in the um, early 20th century, okay. which is very, it, it's almost like very equal to me. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like if uh, Jadot was like, let's, let's talk about Brett. Yeah. Let's research this <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, what it can yeah, bring yeah. to our wines. Yeah. It's like, it's like someone in the 1930s being like, let's talk about stainless steel. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or like in the 1930s being like, have you heard of this thing called refrigeration? Yeah. yeah. Like, glycol cooling is yeah. a wondrous technique. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's something that like we don't, we don't, we take for granted now. Yeah. But like we also don't understand like how, how rigorous the research actually has been for some of those things. I, that's curious. That's really cool. So this is the other half cobbler jams. Um, they actually make uh, a saison called the Brett saison. Um, so they're pretty into Brett. <laughs> I mean, you know, hipster shit. I don't know what I'm gonna say. <laughs> um, and this is a farmhouse style ale uh, that they flavor with uh, peach, raspberry puree, I mean, uh, cinnamon. Yeah, the fruit is like. So up there. Yeah. It smells like a picnic. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, it smells like pe- it smells like a great salad. Yeah, totally. But great salad is a perfect way to put that because yeah. it is bringing that kind of savory aspect, I think, mm-hmm. that that is coming right. from the bread. Yeah, there, there is like a dressing to the salad. There's something <laughs> else to it. You it's know? like a yogurt yeah. dressing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is like a yogurt yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, ooh, hello. Hello. That that palette is Oh yeah. I wouldn't call it like sweet. It is that like very um I don't know, like oaked kind of quality. Yes. Um vanilla yeah, for sure. That Brett tends to like hanging out with uh in small doses. Brett loves loves that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I think I think we I mean we can talk about this too in terms yeah. of like Asian food, right? Like, there's always a little bit of sweetness when it comes to balance. Like, right. I think balance yeah. is always a thing that we're looking for. Yeah, right. It's like funky, sour, um, sweet, salty, spicy, maybe right. if you want to put that into the equation. But there's always there's always like an intersection of like where where does this dish land in terms of that circle. Right. Um, and I think this is this is a really delicious one. Um, beer. <laughs> I keep I keep wanting to oh. call it wine. There is there is something that's just like it's very, very venous com- yeah, about the it's beer. It's very ven. I get that. It's got this complexity um, that I think in in that talking about that savory sweet yeah. balance and all of those things that I think you normally associate with wine. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it has that. Uh, I quite enjoy this. Yeah, I just really like the texture of it. It's just. Like thick, yeah, <laughs> thick. thick. Yeah, adi adi. Uh, that's yeah. when we play the Megan D. Yeah. Stallion ah. soundbite. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really that's really that's yummy. Pretty, it's like a very salty yeah. peach pie. Yeah, I dig this a lot. Um, I think it's it's interesting to think about. Like, do you think we could ever get to a place with wine where people are like i actually intentionally left brett 
or cultivated brett in this wine because it is very important to what i'm trying well, to say well i don't i i mean to to the extent that we can cultivate brett right like i think for right now what we understand brett to to do is like brett's on the grapes brett's in the brett's in the cellar brett is partly about general hygiene right. in, in the cellar in terms of winemaking. And so to me, Brett almost always still feels like a, a happy accident. Yeah. And that for places that consider Brett to be part of their DNA, there's like a, a, an acknowledged run through that Brett is can and cannot happen just depending on like the time or like how they're making things. But there's an expectation that like, because They've cultivated it in their cellars that there's going to be some influence of that in their winemaking year per year. Um, I'm curious to see what Brett means in terms of climate change over the next couple of years where, you know, it might get too hot. It might get too cold. Um, Something where there's an environmental shift with Brett. Yeah. Because we haven't really explored that yet. Right. Yeah. Um, At least with Saccharomyces, we can we know that we can inoculate with Brett. I don't think we can yet. To a, to a point where it's healthy. Yeah. I mean, in beer, they're definitely adding it, but it's like right, in a completely there's, there's, different context. There's also, you got also got to consider that like in beer, what we're looking at half the alcohol content. Right. Yeah. Maybe even less. Right. Um, right. There's way more things for Brett to consume in beer, right? Like right. there's longer carbohydrate chains to break down into simple sugars. Yeah. There's more interesting esters to, for it to come out as when, especially when it's interacting with like fruit sugar um, and all the all, the, all those other things that like beer allows in yeah. terms of the conversation, as opposed to say just Vitis, where it's grapes and that's it, or it's yeah. grapes and oak and that's it, it's grapes and something else and that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's there's other questions that we have to answer with with grapes first. Yeah. Um. Right. That, that that we don't we don't really we can't really scope into that question. I don't I don't think like that deeply until those things get reconciled. Yeah, I mean, I'll say it again. There, a lot more research is definitely necessary, um, but people have to care first, I think. Yeah. Um, as far as I, I know, Australia is like the only country that's kind of really delved into this. Huh. And I think it has to do with... Um, the, the sugar content. Mm-hmm. So maybe, you know, as global warming is becomes more of an issue, like Brett can you, you be a little at, bit more of a significant player. Exactly. In terms of yeah, so. Exactly. Like no one cared about fires until it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> oh my gosh. We're going to get to an episode about smoke taint. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And yeah, how yeah that yeah. becomes part of terroir, but that's yeah. for later. And, and, and again, like we're looking at these things in a much more kind of like holistic scale, right? Like, yeah. Brett, in terms of how we've experienced it as wine professionals, or, or even as, as it's codified by regions, is something that's like, that's still a work in progress, right? Like for us to understand Syrah, for example, right. as something that can achieve a little bit of bread, yeah. uh, Cab Franc that can achieve a little bit of bread, Pinot Noir that can achieve a little bit of bread, those are kind of somewhat defined regionally. Right. Um, and then when all of these other impacts start coming into play, Right. How how the hell are we going to respond to them as as sommeliers? Because we can't talk about them in a way that's like way more meaningful. Yeah. In terms of how the market needs to respond to those things, so I it we're in a we're in a little bit of a conundrum here with with how flawed really Brett is. Because I think for me, a lot of the wines that we've experienced with Brett 
understand it as part of its own character, as part of its own kind of comeuppance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us to call it a flaw, I think, is a disservice to what wine, what the possibilities of wine can give us. And when we get to this point where we're like, where do where, how do we draw a line right. between right. too much versus too little yeah. versus not at all existing? And it's like the extension of like you know what we talk about as terroir, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I, or I mean, uh, even just even to the extension of like how do how we define it as people, right? Right? Like, I think you and I have very similar stories, Daniel. Where we're like we're immigrants. How 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 American do you consider yourself? I. I don't know. Like I, for me, like it's like like always like an interesting conversation because so when I like I moved to uh, the United States when I was in seventh grade, um, and uh, I like I like always grew up in like very white environments in general, like Boston and New Hampshire. Yeah, <laughs> same Orange County. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like I grew up in very like white neighborhoods, and as a kid, you know, you always try to like assimilate as much as possible right so well well i mean i'll challenge that notion too was that that pressured by your parents also was that part of like you needed to fit in because of that's how you were going to survive in that space yeah i mean i would say like my parents were always like striving me to be like more korean and i think Mm. they still do um to an extent i do yeah Yeah, well just to my mom and dad (laughs) (laughs) i speak tagalog just to my parents yeah exactly like when i speak to my sister, for instance, um, I, we speak in English to each other. Um, so, like, it's it's interesting. And, like, you know, I went to boarding schools all throughout high school, actually. Mm. So, like, growing up, up in that environment that's, like, predominantly, like, a white space, um, I just, like, wanted to be as more American as possible, um, quote-unquote. Um, <laughs> and then I wanted to, uh, when I, it was, like, not until when I moved to New York City that, I get like exposed to so much more culture and so much like diversity of culture that I like kind of like finally like started accepting myself as Korean American rather yeah. than you know just like an outsider or whatever. Um, I got my citizenship my sophomore year of college, um, and um, and I feel like it was like during that time I kind of became more comfortable with my Korean self than my um, American self. Um, like in high school, like people like would want to talk to me about Korean food, for example. Mm. And then I would just kind of like dismiss the conversation or just like not want to talk about it <laughs> because like, I just like wanted to be like, I guess in my mind, like, you know, I don't know what do white people eat? Like meatloaf. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John, what do white people eat? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like someone wanted to talk, talk about like bulgogi or some shit like that. And sure, I'd sure. like, yeah, sure. You know, like, you know, I, I yeah. So, yeah, so so I started eating Korean food more. I started cooking Korean food more, um, and it's interesting. Like uh, like my my girlfriend now, she's like Italian American, but she actually used to live in Korea. Um, wow. So, yeah. So like actually, like we actually cook Korean food at home and stuff like that, which you know, yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's a to me. There's always a fascinating kind of like thing about identity when it comes to these kinds of things, where you know we talk about like a little bit of Brett defining you know a, a style or a place or how it, a beer is made for example but, right you know at the end of the day like there's no one way there's no one right way to become like a true american quote unquote right. true american right and yeah it's, i i i've lived in new york 15 years and it's the first time that i've co- comfortably said i feel like a new yorker yeah, yeah. but I'm, yeah. i just still don't feel like i'm an american do you know what i mean yeah. that there's a yes. big distinction between those two things yeah and that i 
I know how to navigate myself in this kind of place with this kind of baggage on my back. Yeah. Right. And at the same time, like understand that like I have a certain kind of responsibility to the community that right. I represent, but also like a certain kind of like expectation with the community that I live in. Yeah. Yeah. And so to, to me, those, those are like two really fascinating kind of, yeah positions to i mean like 100 percent. like as in like the new york the dichotomy between like new yorker and american i like completely feel that like like i feel so i'm coming up in 10 years like mm-hmm. living in new york and i feel like a like a new york person yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. like you don't have to consult a map to yeah, get anywhere yeah exactly right? like yeah. i know where i'm going like i know what trains are running at what time of the day i i, I don't know mm-hmm. but then like i don't know i go out of new york city and i feel so freaking lost a lot of times like well, i also i mean i also feel just very brown whenever i'm not in new york yeah like you notice it yeah. very quickly i was just in texas for a bachelor party um and like was I, everything actually bigger <laughs> yes. i had to do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was actually awesome so it wasn't as big as <laughs> That's yeah, good. Yeah, That's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So yeah. So and I just like just just dissonance, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like for example, like I I don't know. I guess I'm not fully American because I don't know how to drive a car. Like I never learned how to drive a car, for example. Um, and like that kind of like like as a New Yorker, you don't feel like the discomfort of that. Like at oh all. yeah, sure. You know what sure. I mean? But like anywhere you go, like it's a quite a physical thing that you feel like type of thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I get it. I was born and raised in the city and yeah. my parents were and I mean, on one side, their right. parents were. And right. so I feel like a New Yorker's New Yorker, you know, right. like I feel comfortable, safe. I feel like nobody can tell me nothing. Mm-hmm. Right. But as soon as I leave this state, yeah, um, everybody telling you everything. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm afraid. Like yeah. I went to school in Illinois, and so I would drive back and right. forth sometimes, yeah, and yeah, yeah. everything in between. Actually, being at college and being Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania's scurry. It's real scurry, y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know where I am. I've never felt more out of sorts in my own body until I like I for college, I went to a a NCAA tournament in the middle of Oklahoma city, Oklahoma. Oh, we're there as like the Berkeley just like, um, contingent. Right. So very Brown, very diverse kind of group of people. And like, here I am trying to hail a cab in the middle of Oklahoma city. And like, I see three cars in a row kind of like flip me the bird. Really? And it's like, Oh, I just need to get a car. Yeah. And this doesn't concern any of you. Yeah. And all I wanted was to just get a cab. Yeah. And like you you feel infinitely small huh. when a place like that when you're when you feel strange in a place that you speak the language in. Yeah. yeah. makes you feel like you're not a person. Oh yeah. Huh. And like that's that's scary. Yeah. Although like when you when I get back to New York or like when I when I live here in the city, it's like you can put your headphones on, not care about anything, walk, yeah. speed past any other place that's around and feel like you own this place. Yeah. Right. You can right. tell people to get out of the way and, and they will because of the tone of your voice. And, <laughs> and I do often. Yeah. Those are two very different experiences of like being in America. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting to see like growing up in a place that was very white. Right. And, also kind of like growing living as an adult in a place that's very not right right um 
kind of like smashed together yeah. as part of that experience. Wow. <laughs> Brett takes his places, guys. Yeah. All the places we will go. <laughs> um, thanks for joining us on our very first recording no, of Wilson or Jesus. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Of course. Yeah. Um, Dan, where, where can the people find you? Um, uh, people can find me at Loring Place, which is basically where I live these days, um, which is on 8th Street between uh, 5th and 6th Avenue, a lovely farm-to-table restaurant. Um, and also find me on Instagram at Daniel Yum. That's Y E O M. Yum. Yum. I know, dude. Like, like literally. <laughs> like, I, I, I get this all the time because, like, you know, you run food and people always go yum. And I was like, how did you learn my last name? Hey. <laughs> hey. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, we this is uh, Bus Our Discussion. I'm Miguel. I'm Kenneth. We're produced by Disgorgeous Media. Uh, uh our and our audio engineer today was John McCarroll. Say hi, John. <laughs> uh, special dog credits to Yuma for being a good girl. Yeah. Um, guys, we'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you so much. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao.